Hey everyone, Evans here. Before we get into the show, I just want to bring you the big news from Wavelength. Drive-In Cinema is back for 2021, bringing you another summer of family favourites, cult classics and iconic surf flicks from stunning new clifftop location overlooking Watergate Bay, running from the 16th of July until the 5th of September. We can't wait to welcome you back for eight weekends of cinema, sunsets and good times in what Time Out magazine are calling one of the world's most beautiful outdoor cinema settings. Check out wavelengthmag.com for your tickets. Get in there and book early to avoid disappointment. That's going to be a sellout. But we're really looking forward to seeing you back on the cliff tops of Cornwall for Wavelength Drive-In Cinema. Other news, of course, coming out Wavelength is we've got a brand new volume of the magazine, 260, dropping real soon, early in May. That one will be available for subscribers, of course. Do check out our subscriptions offers all on the site as well. All right. Let's get on with the show. It's not the length podcast. Welcome to It's Not the Length podcast. I'm Paul Evans. And I'm Ben Mundy. How's it all going for you? You're out of lockdown. You, you, you sound like you got a little bit of a sort of pep in your step. What's, what's your vibes? Paul, I've been to the pub on uh, numerous occasions. Uh, woken up with um, a few hangovers that I'd sort of forgotten about and how uh, how much fun they are. What, what did you get at the pub? And don't you dare say gin and tonic. What did you What did you have? What was your first order, and what what did it taste like? Uh, I had a uh, a pint of the uh, local brewed pilsner. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, big. And I had about five in an hour. Oh. And the, the lady I was having a, a neighbour I was having a beer with She was like You've just had five beers Five pints in an hour And I was like No love I've had five in six months <laughs> And um, Classic Yeah lady. it was uh, <laughs> Yeah um, Yeah so I did Yeah I just went traditional route Paul And uh, yeah it was uh, it was delight delightful. It's just not the same at home. Even if you got a really good beer, you get home. It's just not the same as from an actual pub and a pub's pint glass. When you sort of you're on someone else's sort of land and you can't, you know you're in a pub, so you kind of sort of have, you know you have to behave yourself. But you know it's not like being at home and just sort of undoing your belt and letting your gut hang out watching Netflix, having a beer. It's like you're in a pub. I mean, what 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 a pleasure, what a delight. It was. Although I will say I was dressed in like thermals. My ski jacket had been in a little blanket because it was a little bit chilly outside in the English air, but it didn't detract from the overall experience whatsoever. Mm, yeah, we, we. What about you, Paul? Uh, we. Yeah, How you feeling? We we got a little bit of lockdown, but it's very lockdown light, so we don't have to do have any of that uh, Gestapo paperwork. So it's all good. We can still surf. Uh, we can go ten k's from home, um, and there's a curfew at seven. But the roads are the busiest. The rush hour is between seven and eight. So that sort of demonstrates how strictly the, the French police are, are sort of enforcing that. But I drove back after uh, doing a little interview last night out the back in, in uh, near Sorbion, near Angres. And yeah, it was packed. the roads were packed um, about 7.45. So yeah, all good. We've had a lovely flat spell, two delicious flat weeks, which has been really nice. It's been not, not small, but just dead flat like a lake. Really, really beautiful. And uh, there's ways again now, but I haven't surfed yet. I tried to go yesterday, I got it wrong. I'm a little bit out of the zone. I went, I biked, I built a bike rack. You can read all about it on wavelengthmag.com. I built a bike rack, I biked through the woods, and I got there. And there was like a four to five foot swell lifting onto dry sand in the shore. It was too high, the time was coming up. So I was like, ah, fuck. So I jumped in nude for a quick swim and came home. Um, but there are waves at the moment. 
Um, and I'm probably going to surf. Yeah, I'm going to get back into it. But no, happy days. Very good. Who are you talking to? Who are you interviewing? Can you reveal the... Uh... Oh, man, i got so much stuff coming up in the next issue, Wavelength 260, Volume 260, as it's known, comes out in May. Um, I was chatting to a local artist and uh, sort of former figure on the surf scene, Mike Mailman, who goes by Pentagram Pizza, is his um, sort of moniker. He does these sort of dystopian sort of surf-themed kind of cartoon stuff. Um, with, a rich, a rich vein, I'd imagine. Oh man, yeah, and we we got right into it. We've got deep into it, but yeah, basically, he, he he's much more productive after he's had a terrible <laughs> surf and been sort of sent in by like the Italian under fourteen champion. Is here on a surf camp or whatever. <laughs> Good big guest coming up on the show, Andy King, affectionately known as Kingy, my friend and yours now, coach to Gabrielle Medina, world's greatest surfer. There's lots, there's lots to sort of pick out from there's highlights, but just my 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 one sort of moment that really I just thought was just classic King. It was like obviously he's a goofy, lives on the Gold Coast, he hates his backhand, and he said when he's a snapper, he races out in front just so he can do a big roundhouse cutback so he can go left back into it to do his rap. I was just like, that's just amazing. Classic King, mate. He's uh yeah, he's a walk, you walk and talk and uh, honesty machine. And he's right in the mix with Gabriel Medina at the moment, and it's brilliant to hear. How have you enjoyed the return to pro surfing of the Aussie legs so far? One event's in your hometown Monday. That must have felt pretty good. And then down there in Sydney. No, it was good to see surfing back. I love the Newcastle stuff. I think they went over the top a bit about the just how great a, a place it is. And I, I know how good a place it is. But, um, yeah, it was good to see surfing back. And the, and the fans loved it, didn't they? The kids on the beach and... The general excitement you couldn't you had to be a pretty hard-hearted cynic not to enjoy all that and the waves weren't amazing but there was enough there for for those guys to do their bit it was the time zones was funny so i was just getting up and watching the highlights yeah we're gonna i think you're gonna talk about newcastle a little bit um yeah people were gushing i just i mean not meaning to sound sort of contrarian but i have always kind of had it as one of the worst like one of the worst places in australia if you take out canberra uh, maybe like Geraldton, like Newcastle's the worst. It's like the worst place in Australia. No one, it's where no one goes. Like when you go, speaking as an outsider, you land at Sydney, you get in your car, you heading up to the mid north central coast or whatever it's called, or the fucking Great Lakes central coast. Of what you're heading up, the last thing you want to do is pull over after well an hour or two and get. No one goes to Newcastle, mate. Who's 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 been there? Who's been to Newcastle? Yeah, that's a, that's a, no one. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. Is it? That's the beauty of it. Mm. That's the beauty of it, mate. Um, and I think seeing as as we as you find out in the interview with Andy, you were last there in 1999. I think um, it's probably changed a little bit, but yeah, that it was too close to Sydney, and it was a steel making town. So um, yeah, it sort of it got bypassed. But um, growing up there, uh, there's some hidden gems, and there's some really good, really good waves actually up and down that stretch. So I think it's a bit of a underrated gem. But yeah, it's sort of overplaying the. Australian blue collar, you know, all that sort of stuff can be, you know, there's there's more to it than that. It's a bit stereotyped in some ways, but it's a good town, yeah, mate. This, it's a good the steel town. Chat is almost like as lot. if some of our favourite tour characters aren't really haven't really got the memo about sort of extract extractive economies not really necessarily being the way of the future. I didn't hear Joe Turpel talk about Newcastle Harbour being the biggest uh, carbon exporter of any harbour in the whole world, but you know. Well, I mean, whatever. There was some good lefts at Dicko Park, wasn't there? <laughs> it's not the length podcast. 
It's time to introduce our guest. His name's Andy King. He's a former QS surfer, coach extraordinaire. People might have seen him a bit on the webcast, but they might not know loads about the story. He's a good mate of yours and mine. But Ben, just um, tell us a little bit about who who is Kingy. What's he all about? Yeah, Andy King was a WQS surfer who in 2004 lost his hearing uh, after a single punch attack near his home in Cronulla. Um, he hit the deck um, and he fractured his whole skull, left in a coma and suffered catastrophic damage to his eardrums and his cochlea that left him completely deaf uh, and without any sort of equilibrium as, as a part of that. Uh, Kingy's wife, I should say long-supporting or long-suffering, depending on how you say it, Nadine, who's is a beautiful woman and she, along with a wide circle of his mates, came together and they raised the whole stack of money uh, initially to get a cochlear implant, which um, is an amp- basically an amplifier that you put on the on the outside of your skull, which helps restore his hearing. Um, and then King, you know, they said he could never surf again, but he just fought so hard, he learned to surf. And then um, within 18 months, he was surfing in the quarterfinal uh, at Macking Pipeline in the QS event. He couldn't hear the commentators, couldn't hear the scores, didn't know which way it was up or down. He was riding 10-foot pipe and beating some of the best in the world. So that sort of showed you the fight back. He went into coaching not long after that. And um, he mentored Mick Fanning through his couple of world titles. He worked for Red Bull for seven years, and he was a national coach for Surfing Australia. Uh, he's since left that job and coached Julian Wilson, Kelly Andrews, and a crop of Australia's best young servers. And also recently, and the reason why we got him on on the pod, let's be honest, is because he's been hired by Gabriel Medina. Um, so anyway, it's it's a fascinating story. And despite all those setbacks and all the triumphs that Kingy's had, he's honest in his humour. Um, have been his, his biggest strengths. Anyway, on that note, um, let's hear the the conversation. It was held just prior to the um, Narrabeen Classic, uh, just prior to, to Gabe's win. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating listening to one of the most interesting guys in the sport, I reckon. It's not the length. Um, Uncle Mick, MF, gave me a call about a month ago and he said that Gabe was looking for a coach. And... Um, I just was like, wow, that was a pretty interesting call. Like, we'd been in opposing camps for about a decade, so I would have given it about a 10,000 to one shot to think that this would have ever happened. And all Mick had to say was, like, oh, Gabe's a really good kid. Like, he's he's loyal. He's he's one of the boys. And, and Mick's word, I, I take, you know, like, Mick is probably one of the people I've trusted the most in 25 years. There's nothing he said that he hasn't followed through with or that's been true. So that was enough for me. I'm like, yeah, we'll have a crack. And then um, went from there and everything Mick said turned out to be true. Um, got along like a got along like a house on fire. It was really easy. Like I think MF created that trust to start things off. So we had that foundation where Mick could sort of vouch for both of us. So it, it was um it was a really easy transition, mate. And uh he's he seems to be surfing all right still. Oh, mate, if anyone tells you that they're there to teach somebody like that how to surf, you're going to run for the hills, mate. Like, I consider myself, like, all I am, as, and I said, and I always have been as, like, a basically, I guess, like an NFL blocker for someone that's got heaps of talent. I just barge people out of the way and remove obstacles so and let them be. Um and give them that freedom. So whatever it takes, I'm on. I just um, basically that's that's what it is. It's it's no mystery. It's just having the ability to stack everything 
and give him the freedom to perform un- uninterrupted. And yeah, well, it seems to be going well. Unlike Julian, you haven't been sacked twelve times so far in the in the in the short space of time. So he's he got a he, <laughs> he, he got a final. Paul, have you got any uh, any questions for? for I've got Frank? a couple actually. Yeah. How, well, just on that, how many times did you get sacked by Julian? This is part A, and then I, I want to rewind a little bit into Kingy's story. But yeah, how many times have you had the flick as a coach, or just in general? Well, that's the whole thing, mate. I reckon probably got sacked by Julian about five times, a couple of other organisations, three or four. But I think that I think that's my special source is failure. I've failed at that many things and I've fucked up that many times, but I never fuck up twice. Yep, sweet. Or maybe Julian thought so. I fucked up five times there, but hey. <laughs> um. Okay, I wanted to just rewind a bit in the King Life story. Correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but I thought I've got this memory once of you telling me that when you were a Grom, your first board, and he's originally from, he was from Manchester, right? He was a palm, he went over to Australia, a bit of a, something of a loose cannon. Am I right in thinking your first board, I'm sure you told me once he stole it from some someone parked at the alley, <laughs> and that's how you got your first start. In, right? <laughs> Yeah, my father. My father was like, a, my father was the second influx of convicts that you guys sent out from the motherland, Paulie. So he had an opportunity. Was what they called the ten pound palms. He could go to prison or he could come out to Australia. So he was a bikey over there. He had double face tattoos, and he was um, he he wasn't the smartest of um of bikies. He had a tattoo with a scarab beetle, a dung beetle. So he was importing hashish and stuff. So that's like. You know, those things roll shit. So it was basically like the cops knew exactly what he was doing. He wasn't, he was no rocket science. So I was on the back of his motorbike when I was about eight years old and he must have been down the alley and saw this poor guy just tried to stash his surfboard um, underneath his car because it was, you know, he didn't have room and it was a little, what we've got in Australia called a Datsun 180. And they kind of like a, I guess, a European version of a mini minor. So he's 760, didn't fit in the thing. Um, so I didn't know any different, but Dad's just run over there and grabbed that. We'll chuck it on the back of the motorbike, and off we went. And then that was the start of my surfing, and pretty much um, the rest of the story of my life. I think every Christmas present I got, it never came wrapped. It just came, came um, my first bike. Everything got done. I don't. It just, um, it just came from from my old man, some somewhere and somehow, but. Um, at the same time, I guess in the old age, like now, you get a little bit older and, and reflective and there is a lot of gratitude, you know. He definitely taught me how to hustle and recognise opportunity and basically if I did everything I could possibly do to me not like him, I was going to be successful. So that was a good lesson. I thank you, Pops. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, I was going to come on to that just in terms of, you know, being on tour and that hustle, but also even maybe it's a little bit of a, cliche but just you know the brazilians they don't all come from the most privileged background what what i've found is that reflectiveness is why the australians and the brazilians might necessarily always got along was because um we look in the mirror and you see yourself you see what australians used to be and brazilians have taken that and run with it and it's like they've shoved it in our face for what we once were so i think that was a real sort of enlightening moment um, in the time that I've spent that I just learned that it's like you don't like 
looking at yourself sometimes and well, especially if you've got a head like mine or Mondays, you don't want you don't want to see yourself at all. So it's very it's very confronting to look in the mirror. More on that issue of fathers and daughters and, and sons, like Gabriel's not travelling with his <clears throat> his dad uh, this trip. And I think Carissa more, she I think her dad hasn't come this trip as well, maybe for the first time. I think quarantine might have played a part, but isn't that that that's a a good thing, isn't it, for these surfers to finally, like, you know, they're 25, 27. They, they really shouldn't have their parents travel with them anyway. Have you noticed that change this trip or in general? For sure. Like, it's, a, it's an independence, and with that comes comes power as well, that, that they are capable of doing it themselves. And, and I just think that with anything, it's, it's very comfortable and, especially if you talk about high performance, high performance is discomfort. So for them to be uncomfortable is growth, and I think that that's vital. And and you can probably see it in the first event and the upcoming events, like where they're starting to, like, you know, yeah, they own it more, like as in, yeah, because it's it's different. But you need change too. You need to constantly evolve. Like you can't just bring the same game. I suppose you talk about obstacles, removing obstacles, and I suppose a part of that often is getting – Sometimes it might be the parents that obviously they all all they want is the best for their kids, and that's all obviously a given. But sometimes they can they can get in the way. I imagine the surf coach. I mean, I speak to your old mate and ours, Richard Dog Marsh, and deal with parents and the or the entourage around these surfers must be one of the biggest parts of the jobs, is it? Oh, mate, yeah, like like exactly what you're saying. Probably not at this level, like, but I um I don't know. Like I said, when uh, when I was, I, I, I'm not capable of that. I'm I'm terrible in that space. Like I said, I I, I like that the movie with Jim Carrey. I just can't lie. I can't. I can't. I can't fathom. I can't. Just, I can't. I don't have a filter for that shit. Like, and I think that happened. You know, especially when I was on my deathbed um, with this incident 15 years ago. That just changed everything. Like time and wasting time and wasting time in conversation and wasting time with people that are interfering. I just, I, um, I, it was just, I, I just don't do it. I just can't. Again, I, I just think insert coaching, like I don't even like, we talked about, I hate the title coaching. Like it's such a, like a dorky thing. It's like an NFL or basketball. They're, they're coaches, you know, they're using the athletes as chess payers and strategizing like that person's alone. Once he leaves shore, he's out there by himself and he's just like, if they're not adaptable, like, the ocean's changing every five minutes. It's like, if, if you're thinking you're going to tell them and strategize and, and, and give them, like, like, if you, like, like saying, I just think it's, it's an absolute crock of shit if you're going to dictate or tell these people, especially at this level. Like, there might be a space for it in the whitewash or telling someone not to go out in a rip near the rocks. That's just, you know, there's an element of dictatorship in the first week of surfing. But other than that, our sport's an art. It's not, it's not you're going to get your freaking pens in your sock and tell these crew. And I think that, again, is one of the biggest issues is that, and back to the reason why I, I think my strengths, my failure, because a lot of these other guys were pro surfers. So they won. They were successful. So they're kind of like stuck in a generation of when they were successful. So they're kind of like reliving that dream, like trying to stand in the cameras and relive that that generation. You know, it was like my old man. My old man 
he had his best year in the 70s. So he had a hairdo like Elvis and listen to Elvis until the day he died. He never evolved past his generation. <laughs> so I was like, fuck, like it's just kind of comical really. I find the thing pretty funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just going to come in there. I'm, I find myself, I'm sort of of the opposite ways. I can't tell the truth. I like, I, I'm a, I like everything I say is just sort of, <laughs> sort of some sort of confection to try and get the world to sort of go in my favour these days. I'd love to snap out of it, mate. Maybe we should hang out more and I'll, I'll we'll, both of us will go back into sort of somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah, I've got okay. a question about, about coaches, <laughs> coaches on tour. I think what quite interests a lot of people is just sort of tour life. Everyone watches the heats. That's in some ways some of the least interesting aspects of, of what goes on. But I'm just thinking that there's always a camaraderie between people that do the same job. I mean, I like some surf journalists. I, I don't like others as much, but there is that sort of camaraderie. <laughs> just in terms of some of the coaches, you mentioned Dog, and I'm sure you weren't referring to him about people stuck in the past but um you know there's we got micro and i guess is snake still kicking about like just tell us how it goes down do you guys get together and have a pizza and just whinge about your surfers and get oh fuck fixed by tomorrow morning like does that do you have a little whinge together in the smoko room how does how does how's coach camaraderie on tour <laughs> uh, it's a it's a really good question like um dog dog like for me is like being like my mentor and even though like I'm six foot three and 95 sometimes 100 kilos and he he's five four and 50 kilos but it's like that thing with the horse like I still look up to him even though um, I'm constantly looking down on him so it's a kind of a contradictive time because <laughs> I still like I said he was such a hero from like when I was a grom growing up so me and him we shared that journey um and when I got that when I first started on this game with Red Bull um, in 2005, he was the first person that I employed. Like, I just like that guy's just because that way, like, we can run stuff off each other, like good cop, bad cop, and we share a lot. Like, obviously, you know, like we shared our lives and 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 we're best mates, really. Like, he's the best man at my wedding. So, but we clash. We always clash. There's always this confrontation, but um. Without a doubt, um, we work better as one than we do. Like, it's like the two of us are, are one. So I think that that's kind of our superpower. And I, I yeah, like, I, I, it just keeps keeps being on the road, right? Um, Hawley, like I said, um, I, I, you know, we, we've, we've crossed so many elements of our career. And Hawley is just the nicest human, like, um, is an absolute, like, champion like he can't yeah I, I really really respect and, and like Hawley but we don't really share much everybody because you can't like like I said the really good coaches which is like Hawley and Dog that have been there for forever but um you can't that that's the, you can't not it's not something that you can put a hat on and, and you're a coach and then you go home and yourself again it's like how we live reflects in coaching so it's like you can't like yeah, you can't kind of fake that. And, and again, that's uh, for sure it's guaranteed by being sacked so often because um, I'm, a, I'm a cunt <laughs> when it comes to that. You know, Paulie, like you, you've seen what it's like, mate, when you're in Hawaii you didn't paddle out the sunset. I made you walk around. I took your car off you. I took your balls off you. I called you P-Heart. Basically drove you back to the airport and put you on a plane back in 98. I was hoping this was going to I was hoping this was going to 
that's not nice, is it? See, that's I, I was born like that, Paulie. I was born. <laughs> He's told that story on the, on the podcast before. I'm pretty sure. If you're not honest and you're not direct, and and if they're in, offended, insulted by who you actually are, then yeah, it's just there's not enough time time to be around those people. And like we said, we've been we've been mates for 25. What, 20, 20, me and Paulie, 25, Monday, 20. Um, oh, I'm better. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm better. Yeah, me first, Monday second. <laughs> you know, just because, you know, just, just getting that established. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, okay, back, let's get back on Medina because, you know, enough about you, Kingy. Who cares? Um, let's think back to the last year the tour ran properly and the B incident in Portugal with Kayo. And the big fucking sort of poo storm of everyone sort of wading in and blah blah blah. What I'll just be interested in is a sort of theoretical, and you know, you can. What what would your like debrief after the heat if you if you were debriefing if you were debriefing Medina? You know, sounds like in a job interview and they they give you like a a sort of scenario and ask you a question. I'll just be interested. What what would have been your debrief to him? Because I mean, I guess that kind of cost him kind of cost him the title, didn't it? That little that little hoo ha on a three foot kind of onshore day. 100% and you have to respond, not react. So reactiveness is like the lizard brain when you short circuit and you do something that makes you do your response to be completely irrational. So the response is, again, like disengaging, taking a mid-range gauge and figuring out what you have to do and, and yeah, so it's, it'll, be that, it'll be that simple. Like, um, and, and the thing is as well, like, I noticed Medina's like no one else I've come across ever. Like, um, as in he will, he won't, he he, he would have learned from that. Um, and he's, he grows, he's grown constantly. Again, that comes with age too, where you're less reactive. Um, so that would be that. It'd be that simple. Like, yeah, you just yeah, there's, there's no need for that. If it all goes really well, uh, best best case scenario. Can you see yourself maybe with a little dangly earring view and Neymar and Gabrielle in, a, in your sort of in your underpants in a sort of toga party in a club, like a white party somewhere in Rio or something at the end of the year? Is that, is that kind of how you're kind of mapping it out to finish off? <laughs> you, know, like, you employ a dog as a little security guard at the front. Just so he gets to wear a little black, a little black tie and he's with a little earpiece. That was pretty left field there, Paulie. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. I haven't seen anything like that. I only just focus on on his surfing. I don't, I don't dabble in that side. I'm barely on social media, so I just, I, I, I don't actually know what you're talking about. But it sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> Classic king, straight bat, play it with a straight bat, mate. I love it. That's why we love you. The tour's come together so fast, and. It's sort of all in Australia right now. I just, of course, you're right on the inside of it. We're all, I know I'm writing about it, but I don't, I, you know, I make most of it up, as you well know, Andy. And, you know, we're, 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 on, we're on the outside. But how is it being right ensconced in it? Is it? Does it feel like this professional surfing gig is back on track and it's sort of heading in the right direction? Yeah, I, I, would, I reckon I'm, I'm far from being an optimistic person, but I was surprised by the energy around Newcastle and then to actually get surfing going again. Like everybody seems to be kind of appreciative that they've got that that, that it's back. You know, it's, it's like that. I know it's fucking cliche, but it's like you don't know what you've got till it's gone. So even though 
it's not in idyllic locations. It's still to see the performance level and and see that. Like I, I'm I'm a huge fan. To be quite honest, I think it's going to be the best place that ever. And I don't know what it's been like for you guys in Europe, but in Australia, like since COVID, because we were allowed to go to our beaches, like the board shapers and stuff, they're six months back. Um, the, the popularity of it, the brands have taken off again and the popularity in our sport, I just reckon it's been able to um, deliver it and articulate it. With your, your surfers on tour, you're not really coaching them, telling them how to do a cutback, et cetera, et cetera, obviously. Although, you know, you like worked at different levels. So my next coaching challenge I'm setting you, you, you got two surfers in an event, one's Monday, one's me. And I want to know what sort of advice you're giving us. And I'll just, just as a little bit of info, you, I don't know if you know, Monday's nickname is Barton Burridge for his sort of similarity between <laughs> two, two well-known surfers, male and female, both goofies. Um, and obviously you, you mentioned, you mentioned an alleged lack of charging 18 foot sunset when I was 21. That's, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. I just want to know a couple of, a couple of coaching tips, either for surfing or just for life or yeah, particularly surfing. What, what do Monday and I each need to do to really kind of take it to the next level and get through to the round of 228? For Monday, um, it would all come back to his preparation. Um, I did a trip <laughs> with him. We were hunting ship sterns with Jamie O'Brien back in 2001 and he jumped off the rocks and slid out and we're like, oh, what the fuck's going on there? Like, as he put – he's forgot to put wax on his board, but he actually forgot to put fins in his board. <laughs> so I reckon it would go right back to the basics on which way to actually insert the fins, which way they go, and actually putting them in a board. <laughs> For you, Paulie <laughs> – For you, Paulie, um, you know what? Like I said, and again – I don't know what criteria you're going underneath either, Paul. I've never seen you actually surf critically in the pocket or anywhere near the pocket, so to speak. But you do have nice hand jobs. So maybe I'll put you up against a couple of crew. Maybe at the pass would be ideal location with an open collared shirt and your fringe flapping with a northwest wind. <laughs> okay, so I need to get, get, get closer to the pocket for Evans Monday, stay off the rocks and put your fins in. While we're on this topic, um, well, just when we were in Newcastle, Leo, <laughs> the Italian stallion, mate, that kid, that kid is like, uh, he, he tries to use it like it's lost in translation, but he is one of the funniest. So he says to Tripaz, he says to Tripaz on about surfing tips, which is his uh, physical strength trainer with Callahan and, and Dog and that. He goes, you know what, Tripaz had a surf together, it was pumped, and like I said, there was that Norsefell on down near Redhead, and um, and he goes, he goes to his physical trainer, you remind me of my brother. You guys have been surfing for over 20 years and you've never improved. <laughs> Harsh. Brilliant, Andy. Well, always a pleasure. Great insight, plenty of laughs. Also, I'd just like to say for the record, for the as this is an audio podcast, Andrew's relaxing with a, a bottle of wine but he's he's decided to not use a glass for this particular occasion is just cut out the middle man it's been swinging been swinging straight from the from the from the from the vast felix so it's, 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 i thought it was a beer it's not the length podcast then um a lot of stuff's gone down a lot of it contest related let's have a look at some good bads find out what's been going on in the surf world that tickled our fancy and 
What made us get a little bit of a big lip? Ben, what have you got that's... Well, I've got a good idea, Paul. Um, I mean, it's not... It's the, yeah, I won't say they're an everyday occurrence, but I was uh, over here in Europe and, and probably around the world, if you follow the sport of football or soccer, as it's known in Australia and the USA, um, there's been talk of a new Super League forming where, uh, yeah, effectively 12 of the best... Uh, or biggest teams in around Europe are going to cleave off and have their own sort of round-robin tournament. And I thought, you know what, I mean, it, it was obviously um, sort of shut on from a great height within when within two days, as of today, it's literally like a burning ruin of an idea and it's been an absolute PR disaster. But maybe Super League for surfing, Paul, I'm thinking. I'm thinking taking just the big six or the big ten. Take your JJF, your Gabriel, your Utilo, your Philippe, your Geordies, your Kaloe. Put in four of the top, you know, the top guns for sort of rele- to go up and down relegation. Your Julians or your Ryans or whoever you want, and uh, you just let them do their own events in their own epic waves. You know, one day only. I mean, it, it, it might work. Would, would we? You know, would you miss that David Silva? Would you? Would the world pine for a heat? I saw a heat which was Adriano D'Souza Judson. I thought Adriano had retired. I mean, for starters, but he's, he's clearly back. Jadson and Wade Carmichael surfing Narrabeen in a south swell. I mean, I don't know, Paul. I just thought that this, you know, although it didn't work for football and it was a massive, obviously financial, greedy corporate clusterfuck, that doesn't mean it could not work for surfing. It just, just might be the answer. Yeah, totally. I think um, definitely it would, it would improve things, the advantage, because you'd have it on one day. But I'm not just not sure about you. I'm not sure about Chloe. would Chloe get in in the big six? I'm not sure if he if he really would. It depends on what rankings you're going off. But he feels a bit Whoa. he feels a bit Spursy to use a football analogy. <laughs> Maybe five years ago he was he, yeah. And he, he, well, no, he got he got like in the last ratings he got fifth, didn't he? He's in the Olympics. I'd go Griff. So. I think I'd have Griff over. I'd have Griff Colapinto, I think, over mm, from yeah, America. Okay. Even Seth, maybe Seth Maniz I'd have from the from the US and A, I think. I don't know. What about the women? Um, well, you just have two. There only, there's, <laughs> there's only like 12 of them on tour anyway. You, so just, you just have, have what, Steph. Carissa, Carissa. Carissa versus Steph. That's it. And Tyler, Tyler Wright would be making a documentary about being injured and crying. <laughs> yeah. That'd be it. That's you it. You have Chris. Maybe have... Um, well, Caroline. Caroline. Yeah, you have Caroline Marks just there, like comes in every sort of third heat just to shake things up. I mean, you just do that on endless loop. I'd, I'd watch that. Paul, have you got anything else that is... Yeah, just on the Australian uh, Aussie leg sort of tip. Yeah, I, you mentioned the time difference. I thought I'd love the time difference for Australia for contests. I think it's just perfect for surfing, um, for sort of you watching. So it, com- it comes on... Oh, well, in France, it's like bedtime for me. It's about that's about nine o'clock. I'm starting to think about getting into the old, getting into my scratcher. So you can kick it off, start to listen a bit of Joe, Ron Dog, get the headphones in, maybe just sort of drift off. You know, maybe catch the first heat or so, or the first five minutes, drift off. Uh, then I don't know for younger listeners, this, you might not be familiar with this yet, but you, you can laugh. But it's coming. Um, when you get to a certain age, about 1am, quite often, you know, the, the days of not having to get up in the night to do a wee, I mean, it just sort of feels like the stuff of a madman's dream now, doesn't it? So about 1am, uh, when you get up to, to do a wee or, or you wake up for a glass of water, you, you can tune back in just to make sure you're not missing anything too good. So a quick, quick flick on the app, back on, it's still two, three foot. 
and very inconsequential, sweet, have a little listen, back off to sleep. And then in the morning, you kind of catch the last, you wake up, have your coffee and you catch the last couple of heats and you feel like, you sort of feel like you followed the day, you saw the beginning, the middle and the end. And you're just like, yeah, I've watched it, but yet yeah, you've been asleep. It's just like, it's brilliant. So I like, I love the time in the Aussie leg. Um, it really fits in my, my sort of rhythms. You, you've not wasted any sort of lifetime or, you know, any of your sort of time on watching or listening to surfing. It's sort of happened while you were sleeping. It's great. Sort of like not so much the X gen, but the prostrate generation. It's, it's perfect for the for the P gen. Yeah, exactly. It's just that that is the timing you want for the P gen. <laughs> but while we're on the broadcast, Stace Galbraith was good, wasn't he? On the on the questions, he's he feels like a bit of an upgrade. Um, and I thought Rabbit was great as well. And uh, Richie Lovett is really good, although I'm not so keen on the the white the white shirt. I think he needs the different, you know, maybe a slightly different wardrobe. But I thought they were good. They did a good job, didn't they? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, Stace. We, well, you know, he's a he's a he's a coach. He's, you know, he knows surfing inside out. He knows the surfers, and he's got he's got a spark, and he? he wasn't afraid to throw a bit of personality in, which. You know, it's not always easy. You've got to have a bit of confidence. So, yeah, he's got, and yeah, Rich is, well, he's just, he's super articulate, isn't he? And he's been there. Stace might be the fastest, <laughs> the fastest talking Aussie in surfing. In terms of like words, in terms of word rate, he is staccato. He is rapid. For an Australian, he's like, you look like you're having fun out there. You've got some great waves at the start. It started off good. He like, he, he, man spit fire. He's like, I was just like, wow. For an Australian, that is really impressive. And I think he's raised the bar for the rest of you guys, Ben, to really have something to aim for there that you don't have to kind of go for sort of three to four, you know, words a minute that you, you can actually deliver at a much quicker rate. No? Oh, mate. He talks quite quickly yeah. when he wants to. Yeah, he did. He did. He did pretty good, oh, mate. Yeah, yeah. He's all I right. mean, at the he's, other end, you got right. Luke, Big Louie just balancing it out <laughs> quite slow. <laughs> no one wants to go on a bum trip, but what have you got? That's there's been the first sort of flurry of uh, press about the Ultimate Surfer, which is the. WSL backed or WSL Studios backed uh, and along with ABC, the American Network, um, which is a reality TV show. It says it's the ultimate surfer features the top up-and-coming surfers training and battling out as a surf ranch with men and women competing in individual and team challenges focused on surfing and specific disciplines. Weekly eliminations will leave two men and two women as finals who will then via the ultimate surfer and the opportunity to compete on the WSL World Tour. So it's a reality show with uh, 16 surfers. I've been uh, sort of asked to do a bit of the sort of gump from the background information on the cast. I can't disclose the cast. I'm on a non-disclosure agreement, which would end up in me being ripped off the air and uh, all sorts of limbs being removed. Um, so I know who the surfers are, but I can't really divulge them. But I just uh, my question to you, Paul, is this the future of surfing or is this the death of surfing? I'm sort of, I, I, I uh, oscillate between the, or vacillate or both um, between the two. I'm not sure if this is something that we need to get involved in. Could be, could be fascinating. It could be cool. Or it's just uh, another, another sort of sad and lonely uh, flogging of this, of this dead horse that we're on. <laughs> is it the future surfing? No, no, it's not. It's definitely not, I guess. Are they, sorry, I know you can't say, are they surfers or are they just people that are taught to surf? Nah, they're all surfers, yeah. They're good surfers. Like professional. 
Yeah, right. I can't like, You'll know most of them. So, yeah. But I think you'll probably find they've got a lot of Instagram followers, most of these type of people. Okay. So, is I'd it imagine. Tia Blanco? Is it Tia Blanco? <laughs> I, I, can't, um, I, I, I can't divulge. Luke Davis. I'm just trying to think of the, to use an Australianism, the spunkiest uh, surfers that aren't on CT. <laughs> um, people like that? I can't I, say. I, I can't say. I, I don't care. Um, but I don't mind the whole like sort of giving away the uh, an entry to a sort of a wild card like a complete stranger. You remember that Coke Classic in nineteen ninety one? There was um there was a I don't it was a, it was a big thing in the news when I was there. So it was a public competition that involved the Coke can, um, and you um, yeah if you got this special Coke can, you got an actual invite into the um, Coke the then Coke Classic. And uh, I researched it that year. The winner was a guy called Alan Willis. He was a 32-year-old brickie from Bundaberg, and he'd served twice in the last six months, and he said he was recovering from hemorrhoids. And, uh, <laughs> his, his opponent was uh, Ross Clark Jones in the first heat, and uh, Ross fuck, was so nervous. He's talked about it since. Like, he fell out every way, but he still managed to win. But the... the um, the write-up I read in tracks was that the uh, Willis arrived with an esky f- full of fresh Bundaberg prawns as a gesture of gratitude to dispense to the hosts. So he walked up to the competition area with an esky full of prawns and Bundaberg rum and started handing them out and then go surfed his heat. Which I think that might fucking... You know, that, you know, that's, that's exciting. Maybe that's the answer. But um, anyway, we'll see about the ultimate yeah. surfer. It's coming up. It's, it's been filmed, so it'll come up in August. We'll soon find out. I got bad news for Alan Willis. I mean, he'll know this by now. But mate, you don't, you don't, you don't recover from hemorrhoids, mate. They just go away for a while before coming back again. I got something bad, mate. Good Ray CBD. Heard of it, Monday? Sure have. Um, yeah, Good Ray CBD. No, it's not bad. Of course, it's a great, exciting new product. Um, a drink. Uh, coming onto the market soon at, at Wavelength are obviously part, partnering up with so it's, some re- it's really exciting so no, it's a great great brand great product um, that, that isn't bad in itself I um, yeah a little bit of background I had a, had a meeting um, with, with the, some of the guys from Good Rain some of the guys from Wavelength uh, me being a bit of a stickler for research Ben as you know uh, you know I leave no stone unturned so I I just I went on companies I went on companies house website I was just having a little look around just being very thorough and meticulous and I, I noticed uh, one of the one of the investors was was listed as a Mr Ben Mundy Mr Ben Mr. Ben Mundy, one of the investors. So and then, and then all of a sudden it hit me, and I was like, "Of course!" Because so a few of your mates are involved. Good, good, good bunch, good bunch of guys. Legends um, behind this brand, by the way. Legends. We, you know, some people that we we worked and collaborated with before. Good, good old bunch. And I thought, of course, of course. It's it dawned on me that I'm literally the only person over forty who works in surfing that isn't involved in some sort of beverage and uh, it says it's it's just me that doesn't have a hard seltzer a kombucha a brewery or a cbd drink it's Co- just coffee? it's just me a coffee as well of course can't forget the coffee let's not forget the the rosé wine because old Reed George from Bellavine's got his rosé vineyard i mean it's literally just me left without without a drink so yeah i'm um 
I might, yeah, I might I'll have to come up with something, get into um, get into maybe a co- the cordial game. But um, yeah, it's just I guess it's just me. Ben, can you fill us in? It must be exciting times for you, for you, Good Ray. Um, yeah, so it's it's um, CBD drink. It's my yeah, very good mate Owen Tozer, who's a creative director, who's doing all the branding and the creative side mm. of it. There's uh, well, Chris Kelly, who's um, an old friend of ours. If you Dragged through the YouTube uh, oh, clips, yes, you can see more, me and Evans live on the on the on the small oh, screen. Man. And uh, he's uh, yeah, um, obviously Justin Stone, who made uh, who started off surf down way back in the day, and like just a uh, just an experienced and sort of yeah, just a legendary businessman. So yeah, between them all, I thought this this looks good, and I uh, I helped them out with a little bit of work, and then there was an investment round. I mean, anybody could have went in it, and there was all sorts of. Um, you know, arranges obviously my little scrapings of the barrel was enough on the, on the lowest level, but I thought it was such an exciting group of people and um, brand. I thought even I, Paul, even I was going to go in. So uh, yeah, I should have told you. Yeah, I told some. Someone's oh. someone's doing all right, aren't they? Someone's just it's just an investment on these guys and his portfolio, isn't it? Well, as I said, someone's Paul, doing I mean, okay. When the when then it's a matter of when our roof falls in, and I don't have the money to fix it, but I do have. A one percent or less share in a CBD drinks brand. I'm sure we can hover under that as shelter uh, in the cold, dark winters. But um, yeah, you got to. Yeah, I mean, Paul, mate. I just felt I was like you. I was the last. There was two of us left without a drinks brand. I just I didn't want to be the last man standing. <laughs> I was like, I refuse to be that cordial guy. Uh, I mean, uh, just I'm, just on the uh, surf show on on YouTube comments below surfing. That was good, with, right? With, with Chris from Big Balls Film in, in Farringdon there in London. I remember I, I knew I was onto a good thing on the first day. I think we had a, it was like a, like 9 or 9.30 meet at the, at the at the office there. And he sent that, the, the northern guy, I can't remember his name, to the Sainsbury's. There's a little Sainsbury's next door. And he got two carrier bags full of tins of Stella for, <laughs> yeah. for us. It was for the talent. And we got a cab to the studio in Bermondsey, and I was like, "Oh, it was quite. It was a pretty. It was a handsome. It was a fairly handsome day rate as well." I was like, "Oh, we're literally just getting paid to drink cans of Stella on a sofa." Um, yeah, God, I miss those. God, I miss those Mate, times. Those were the heady days, indeed. Oh, um, yeah, cool. Well, good luck. I hope. It, or have, I genuinely hope. Um, it all goes well for you, mate. And um, yeah, I just hope you've got you've offshored your, your your Panama City papers and your you know your wherever you do your accountancy these days. Jersey Monday's just got a Monday Holdings. Is it Cunthorpe Holdings? It's just a room, isn't it? In Whoa. Panama City with a phone and a desk and no one there, and it's owned by another shell company. That's that's the web of sort of financial misappropriation you're weaving, isn't it? <laughs> I did laugh and there's people like online sort of um, talking about the judging and, you know, as they, they like to use the same terms, like whether the scores are undercooked or low-balled or high-balled, did Italo Ferreira make the air that cost the 1.2? Did Connor Coffin weigh? Was that a 5.4 or a 5.0? I mean, for fuck's sake, does that really matter? I think, uh, you know, the judges, I mean, are they, why? What Are they still relevant, Paul? I know you've got a bit of a bugbear about them, but... I did see that one of our mates from France flew over to Australia as a, as a the European judge, 
And I've just sort of Europe, Europe's head judge Yannick Saran. Yeah, so he's a legend. We know him. We we work with him. We travel with him. Brother of former CT surfer Caroline Saran yeah. from Anglet. So he flew out. I was just sort of telling up. I mean, this is just some rough numbers, Paul. But so he flew from France to LA. Got the charter flight from LA to Sydney. And then he's got flights from Sydney to Perth return, and then and then obviously back to to France via LA again. I reckon that's a let's call that five thousand euros before you even get out of bed. Uh, he had to quarantine. Yes, had to quarantine. Bargain. For, <laughs> he had to quarantine for two weeks, which is another fifteen hundred no euros that someone had to pay for accommodation. Six weeks in Oz. I mean, that place is not a cheap country anymore. You, I'm, I'm calling a minimum a grand Aussie week. It's, but it would probably be more. But let's say for, let's call it four four grand euro. Food expenses, any cigarettes. There's another grand. And then his salary. I mean, what does a judge earn, Paul? Four CT events, ten thousand euros. Maybe, maybe more. Easy. So yeah, easy. Yeah. I reckon you're looking at a conservative estimate of about twenty one thousand five hundred euros for a, a French judge to travel to Australia to judge men and women wiggling up and down in beach breaks and, and West Oz. So I just thought that <laughs> might be a little bit extravagant. Do you agree? The, the only the only thing more fun than cha- quibbling judges' scores <laughs> is working out their expenses, <laughs> like working out how much it costs. And what you have, what you haven't mentioned, and yeah, I, I do have a good riff about judging being the world's most uh, sorry, surfing being the world's most over officiated sport, is that the twenty one thousand five hundred invested in him to go over there is because I, I guess he wouldn't have been head judging. Not that we're picking on Yannick, we're just, I guess he wouldn't, I'm not sure if he'd head judge it. So his, his, there's a good chance his score would just get deleted anyway, because they, they take out the high and the low scores. So you punch in your number, and if you're the outlier, they just delete it. Yeah, so let's, let's say <laughs> just, it's like, 50% of his scoring ways won't, won't count, won't get punched in the computer. I mean, he might be on the average because he's very experienced, but they all are. But yeah, there's there's a good chance this number would just get deleted. I mean, it's like it's it's almost like us flying around the world to record a pod and then just deleting it before we leave. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Um, yeah, good good judge chat. It is the world's most um, officiated sport. You do have to have a paddle from all around the world representing. You also. They have a lot of time off, obviously, because the event goes all day. You can't have the same dude sitting there getting all sleepy and a bit full after lunch and fancying a nap. So they do. I guess they do two heats today, two on, two on, one off, something like that. Some sort of rotation, three on, two off. So also you've got basically two judging panels because like half of them are having a break at any, at any given time. They're having a break from having their score deleted. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap things up for another episode of the pod. Thanks for tuning in. Just another reminder, of course, Wavelengths Drive-In Cinema back better than ever for 2021. 16th of July through the 5th of September, 21 film lineup. Check out wavelengthmag.com for your tickets. That's going to be an absolute banger of an event running all summer at Watergate Bay in Cornwall. Look forward to seeing you down there. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Happy surfing. I'm Paul Evans reminding you, of course, enjoy yourselves it's later than you think and i'll see you in the tube me looking out and i'm ben mundy get a dog up yeah